are Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes beyond the Burking Dead universe. <laughs> I'm your host, David Cameo, and I'm joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardner, and Bridget, KODishify.com slash Punky Brewster. That's P U N K Y B R U I S E T E R. And we're here to talk about the series premiere of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live. We did react to it a couple nights ago. We live streamed that discussion on YouTube and all streaming channels, as well as last night's live stream, which is, who doesn't matter, because who knows when this is going to come out. <laughs> but yes, and then the very next night after that reaction live stream, we also did a live reaction of The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live Q&A, filmed at the 92nd Street Y, moderated by Dalton Ross, and featuring Denai Guerrera, Andrew Lincoln, and Scott Gimple, which was kind of cool. And I am also editing that up. Chop, very rough edit, so it's not it's not crazy. And hopefully that'll be available sh- shortly. When this week's materials are all finalized, they're all going to be included in the blog, so you have them all in one place. And I'm also going to be stitching the featurette that we did last week into the reaction podcast. So it's kind of like a nice little opener that takes us into the reaction discussion. Featuring, by the way, our friend Thomas O'Mara at Celtic TSO on all the social medias. So that was a nice little bonus for us. We don't have too much housekeeping, but you know what? Since we created the logo for our The Ones Who Squawk, we're definitely going to be including that in our merch store. And I was very surprised at how well it was received, the logo. I didn't tell Mainly people, Mainly by hey, me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, first by you, because you're like my yardstick. You're very critical and I love it. I need it. It sounds so mean. Like, I'm just like, no, Dave, back to the drawing board. But completely unprompted <laughs> by the likes of Fan Art Lindy and David Carranza. And I'm like, I didn't ask them to comment on it. They just did. I'm not a very creative person, but I'm I'm getting it better at this very clever. If you see it now, it's there clever. It is. Tell him. Thank you. Thank you very much. We did our first impressions the other night, but Bridget wasn't here. So let's invite her to give hers tonight. So I enjoyed the episode. Akila, as some of you may know her as Kyle. Uh, Cat. Like, her like name is Akila, but person. you know, drunk people just can't get her name right. <laughs> also known as Kiki. Kiki has come to camp with me every time that I've gone. And actually he's come to every convention with me outside of New York Comic Con. And she did that because I was like, hey, hey, new friend at work, uh, watch this show. And I made her watch all of The Walking Dead. <laughs> it's like a, cl- a clockwork and, orange. Up and in this she bitch. liked it. She liked it a lot. And so I was really thankful because I had somebody to talk to about it because I didn't have anybody to talk to about. And that was right around the time I met you guys. So then I did have people to talk to about it. But I've brought her with to every convention and she's really enjoyed herself. And she's also like flourished in a very different way because she does volunteer work now and she really makes connections with the actors and they've really enjoyed getting to know her, which is really sweet to see. And so that's been really nice. But because like in person or, or on, online? In person. In person okay. only. Okay, that's what yeah, I thought. She okay. doesn't even mess with the online portion. But in person, they're like, that's geeky because she's so smiley and bubbly. So they remember her. It's often a joke when we come back, actually, that nobody remembers me and they only remember her. <laughs> <laughs> the ginger shadow of Kiki. And I'm not sad about it. I'm fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this is the first time that we've actually been caught up to the same point she was behind on fear and then she couldn't get caught up because she's a very busy person and she's actually getting married this year so like even more busy on top of all of that we've really been able to watch anything together 
that's come out because she's been so busy. But when I told her that the show was coming and that Rick and Michelle were coming back, which obviously she knew because she went to the final viewing party of the walk, the last episode of The Walking Dead with us in Covington. We, we often Georgia. call her our intern. She does free work for us. <laughs> we do not pay her. <laughs> Thanks, Akila. She knew that that was coming. She just didn't know when. And so I shared that with her and she's been really binging World Beyond because I told her that I thought it was really pivotal that she watched that before. And she had started it already, but she couldn't really remember. So she had to go back and rewatch. And so she's almost done with World Beyond, but she came over on Sunday and we got to watch that together. So that was like a big deal to have someone to watch the episode with. I have always watched this show, anything in the Walking Dead universe alone from the very beginning until now. I think I had one friend who I worked with back in like 2012, 2013 maybe who watched The Walking Dead, but like hadn't watched it from the beginning. So she wasn't caught up. So again, she like had to stream it. And then so we weren't seeing it together. So I've never like had a person to watch any of the shows with because like I, you know, dated an abusive a-hole who like, why would I watch that show with him? Because I yeah, my wife's that way too. She doesn't want to watch it with me. And then my husband now is just like, you're watching zombie stuff again. Like really, Bridget, this is all you're ever doing. And so he's not really into it. He'd be supportive if I was like begged him, but I don't want to force him to watch something he doesn't want to watch. So, right. So I'm very thankful for that. It's kind of a different perspective to have on this, but I, I enjoyed it for that very specific reason. I think I would have enjoyed it either way, but that's why I enjoyed it specifically. Cause you, you get to have this now, which yeah, is like not normal yeah, for you. This is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Let me add on to that a little bit because Ever since we started putting out materials for The Ones Who Live, from the Q&A to the featurette to all that other stuff, we've been getting more su- subscribers. And it's just been very, very nice to see the numbers go way up. Way more That's than nice. fear. Obviously fear. <laughs> but no, but still. <laughs> mean your numbers didn't go down with fear? Like- <laughs> no, they did. <laughs> well, no, they the, way did. I put it, the way I put it is that it dips, right? Fear comes around, it dips. World Beyond it was actually interesting, hovered between our usual Walking Dead coverage to fear but this is unprecedented we were getting way more views so i think it dovetails nicely with what you just said bridget because well the whole reason why we started this podcast was because the fandom was consolidating people that used to watch in person don't that's why we started podcasting carol had moved to florida after moving already to new jersey and while i was living in brooklyn new york i'm still living in brooklyn new york but still and the same could be said from the people that we had on that their friends were moving off The Walking Dead. It lost its popularity. So that was one of the impetus, one of many impeti, impetuses. And there's only one impetus. But one of the main starting points, starting reasons of this podcast was because it was a way for us to draw in each other so that we can all sort of comment on this show together for friends that were no longer watching the show together. I mean, even me, I got started because a friend recommended The Walking Dead to me. I started watching... We had Superstorm Sandy and all these other things. So there were moments where I could watch the show together with somebody in the beginning. Obviously, we went our separate ways and stuff like that. And then on top of the fact that the podcasts in the sector of the Walking Dead universe weren't uh, that great. I'm just going to put it that way. Is you? I was listening to it. And I'm like, oh, here's the th- another thing I hate about this show. Isn't it great? So I was like, why don't we just make a podcast where we can still be critical, have fun, and maybe talk about why it's so good rather than why it sucks. Cause that's every podcast ever. Like 80% of the podcasts are why things suck. Mm. So another reason to start a podcast to bring us together over something that we love and why we love it. 
in all the details of why we should. Well, I just shared how that's so sweet that I get to watch it with somebody and we literally just got approved for screeners. So that's like no longer applicable. Ooh. Wait, what was the thing? You'd said something very specific. I forgot you. Oh, we're, we're making it. What did you say? We made, we it. made it. We finally we made, made it. it. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> She's going to say that throughout the episode. I also tonight. said, no, I said it. I said it before when we got the cease and desist. <laughs> that's the last for, time i said that merch. we finally yeah, made exactly. it exactly this is now this this is now the second time that we finally made it and i'm hopeful that things will happen like we can monetize the youtube channel and then i will feel like you know and then we've made it so i'll just keep saying that over i time. think saying that every single time we've made it like every time we reach a milestone we've made it again <laughs> so i think it's that's pertinent we just made a thing cool well, your story, notwithstanding, or maybe in addition to your story, obviously watching the show with Akila in real time live, your first impressions of the episodes together, what were your feelings about it? Well, there were like little things that I caught. And I think Rachel brought up a really good point when she said that she's more likely to notice stuff like that when you're with somebody else. So I was doing that or thing where, where I was like looking and I would see something and then I'd like look over to see if she was reacting <laughs> to it, which of course she wasn't yeah. because she doesn't do a podcast. So she doesn't pay attention to like every little thing <laughs> on the screen I'm like what was that <laughs> that looked an awful lot like the art of peace anyway so, <laughs> so we'll get to it we might not we already so, mentioned it the other night <laughs> oh I actually Aiden put up a really good blog post thing that I wanted to read through because he brought up a lot of really good points and I want to kind of touch on those but anyway oh, so he wrote a blog about this episode um, well Atkin? he did like an update on Facebook only I checked his website and it wasn't oh. on there I assume he's writing one up for probably the website later. But right. Anyway. Whispers to your member. Mm-hmm. Aiden Atkin. His website is Aiden's Corner Entertainment.blogspot.com. It's easier to go to ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin. Is it though? <laughs> is it actually, what is it? Aiden's Corner Entertainment. I don't know. See, I already forgot it. <laughs> I think while I was watching it, the only thing that I thought this is really good. This is really well done. This is what I'm, I'm glad this is what I wanted. The only thing that would make it better is if it were shot on film. Right. To get that graininess. That was the only thing I could think because it was so clear. And I don't know. I'm just old. I think I'm just old because like I guarantee Gen Z and Gen Alpha isn't like, oh, it looks too high definition. Like I, <laughs> I can see it. It's like when you turn on an old tube TV and kids are like, oh, what does that sound? it's the high-pitched squealing that we've yeah. all come yeah. accustomed to so we're like oh it's nothing but they hear it and they're like what is that how could you watch this let me introduce <laughs> you guys to dial up <laughs> <laughs> no thanks i've met him <laughs> i don't like quite him. the pain in the butt yeah uh so going off of that a little bit first of all the intro visuals the title sequence visuals seem to look a lot like in some senses dead city but it has an even more tube tv look Mm -hmm. in a sense like the skips and the jitters and the lines at the edges the kind of rainbow halo Mm. you can't quite get white or black because doing that on a crt there's like a little rainbow halo on each let's say pixel but it's not a pixel but then also the music of course uh, this was composed by sam ewing who took over the score largely in the latter seasons of The Walking Dead. So he did the title sequence, but I found that it sounded a lot like the Dead City theme, but it wasn't the mm-hmm. same composer, right? Did you guys feel the same way? I definitely got Dead City vibes from the that, that's, from the opening. Did I say that? I meant uh, Daryl Dixon, sorry. The, the actual title sequence music 
sounded a lot like the Daryl Dixon ish, mm. that orchestral sense. I, don't, I, I, I got more of a Dead City vibe from okay. it. Yeah. Honestly, okay. it's just kind of the vibe of the new. It's like the Shows. new phase. Yeah. Like you said, the Daryl Dixon music is orchestral, and I feel like that's a little different than Dead City and and Rick, the Rick show. They have a <laughs> they have more of a ed, harder edge, and the it did have Darryl like a steady baseline. Daryl Dixon was very orchestral. Who, by the way, the guy who orchestrated the title sequence for Daryl Dixon is actually a guy from Brooklyn. <laughs> I just I just oh, looked really? it up because I wanted to see who did it. Yeah, I forgot his name is David something or other. It's not me. I promise, it's not me. <laughs> but it's not David Cameo. Or- Orchestry is his name. Yeah, that's right. It's not right at all. Of course, now I have to update the blog to correct myself. Shame. Shane. In the title sequence opener, there is a map and it has little X's all over it. There's CRP, Civic Republic Philadelphia. And then there's, you can see Omaha in red and you can see Portland in red. And then all over the map, there's little dots. So I mm-hmm. laid a map over that. And I figured out most of the cities that were highlighted. Oh, and most of them were capitals, but not all of them were capitals. So in the south, it's Savannah and Jacksonville and Orlando. If you move over to the west, you've got New Orleans. Michigan was Lansing. We had Montgomery, Alabama, Minneapolis, Des Moines, Oklahoma City, Dallas, Austin, Seattle, Helene, Montana, Salt Lake City, Sacramento, L.A., Portland, Maine, and one, it was Rochester and Buffalo. I couldn't quite figure which one it was supposed to be, if it was supposed to be Rochester or Buffalo. Well, they're very far they're very, away from, well... They're on the map. They're where... where so the teeny ma- tiny. The map. Yeah, it was really hard to tell. They're but, pretty far away from each other, though. But I just, I found it interesting that Savannah was on there, because that's fear. where Fear was. was. Filmed, um, at least. Well, I think they'd said well, it. But yeah. They said yeah, it there, yeah. too. And I, I thought it was interesting that Seattle was one of the... Because it's pretty close to Portland. Yeah, and the labels and, on the axes are jump points. You got to you got to okay. push in. I couldn't reach that. Yeah, I couldn't yeah, you, read you, you get a push in in one of the ma- on one of the sections, I think, and it just it says jump point or something like that. But we and we knew from fear that some of those sites were drop sites. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. so. Like, like a, Austin, Austin was a drop site, and that's one of the places that was marked on a map on the map. All right, and, and we've seen some of these maps well in more detail in World Beyond, where it actually shows what it is too. Like this is a science of the symbol for science facility right, right, right. or yeah, mm-hmm. you know, which again, another cool. And I'm going to say this out loud. I know Bridget's saying you have to watch walking dead world beyond. I'm like, you don't have to, but it makes watching the ones who live that much more well, fun. I'm going to compare that to everybody saying you don't have to watch breaking bad to watch better call Saul. And you didn't, you could watch you better didn't. call Saul on its own, but watching breaking bad before gave you so much more information and depth and you just knew more about what was going on. It made it much, so much better. Yeah. Yeah. It adds like such a, just another dimension in your watch, mm-hmm. essentially, which again, you don't have to have to appreciate the show. You can know of Saul and like it. So Aiden, his little list, the first one starts with the map, references the other spinoffs. So the main communities mentioned seen in the world beyond, as well as the nuclear fallout zone. That's depicted on that as I well. I said that yeah. in the reaction. In the reaction? Video, I said that, yeah. That's, I thought that was really interesting. Quite brightly put, too. <laughs> yeah. All the, mm-hmm. the circles like, hey, around the radiated hey, area. Hey, remember fear? Remember it? It, it, it exists. <laughs> it's important. It exists. <laughs> Which is why it's kind of weird to me that they didn't have anywhere in Virginia marked. D.C. was the closest. Oh, well, You know what? Let's jump to this point because half an hour before the end. I know that because that's where I ended my third watch. Okafor says basically to Rick, he calls him out and he says, 
I think of the dead all the time. He's reciting his own letter to Michonne, the letter that Michonne reads at the series finale right at the end. We have to take a short break at this point because, as I also mentioned in the reaction video, I was going off of an impression I incorrectly had or maintained of the Walking Dead series finale, how both Rick and Michonne were reading each other's letters, when the truth of the matter is they were writing these letters, showing themselves and sometimes flipping back to the other person, which made me feel as though they were reading each other's letters when they really weren't. They were only reading their own letters. This was actually brightly pointed out by one of the comments to our reaction video made by at TNation96, which reads, Michonne wasn't reading Rick's letter. She was writing her own to her kids, and that's what's his face only left Rick boots and the phone with the drawing on it. What's his face is Virgil, which we actually mention a little later on. I think it's important to mention these things because it's not only important to correct the record, leaving these things in shows you that we're not experts. We're just people who love watching a thing and are fairly intelligent, but even intelligent people make mistakes. So without further ado. I mention it because he also mentioned something to the effect of, and I, I remember I just wrote this down too, he alludes to the fact that he knows about their community in essence, mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of people named Michonne. And if I looked right about where we picked you up, I said that in the live stream. They have to know about Alexandria. Well, I, think they know I think they know there's other communities out there. It's just that, is it even worth their attention? They're small potatoes. The C Well, yes, the CRM. But since o Okafor is going a little off book and he's very interested in A's to mm -hmm. make changes at the CR. Now, here's my question. I have a question and I think this is, these are, this is like the fun thing that we like to do because we like to get into it. Just thinking bigger thoughts, because this will go into other things too. Is there somebody from his elite team or whatever? Is this just Thorne and him and Rick? Or has he embedded maybe one or maybe more persons in those communities? Because with all the hubbub of the Commonwealth, that during that entire period of time, that year, essentially, where they meshed and some people were in Alexandria, some people in the Commonwealth and all that stuff. And then they took over the Alexandria. It was uh, Outpost 22, right? Mm -hmm. Could one of the CRM soldiers, people, elite forces, spies, could they have embedded themselves in any of the communities well, to find uh, out more information? Outpost 22 hasn't happened yet. Well, right. But either eventually, before, during, what do you guys think of that idea? Because if he knows that much... What does that mean? I, I get the feeling that so Okafor has pretty much been with them since the beginning, right? Because instead of bombing Philadelphia, he went with the CRM. He bombed LA him himself. And, and Atlanta. Atlanta. Did he also say something about New York City? No, not okay. the bombing I thought part. there was a third one. Okay, fine. He said, it was the he third said, one was where he was going. And then right, he, and okay. that was Philadelphia. Gotcha, gotcha. But okay. one thing I noticed was he said that he had bombed Philadelphia, the 4,000 Marines at the Lincoln ever a field or whatever that is where he took them to tell them what he wanted to do that was a football stadium that had been destroyed lincoln everbank field that makes sense because of those underground tunnels those tunnels would be the stadium like grid work system yeah, okay i'm understanding sense. what you're saying okay because yeah. you're saying he took both rick and thorn to talk about his plan right where he had dropped the bombs in the stadium okay that's cool. I didn't didn't even dawn on me. But anyway, I get the feeling that he's been thinking about this for a while, that he's been wanting to change things. He doesn't like the way things are going, especially gotcha. after Omaha. 
And I'm sure that Rick and Thorne are not the only people he has groomed. Now, are they in other communities? That I, I wouldn't know or say. But in the CRM, I bet you he's got other people. people. Yeah. Right. Well, and they also mentioned that 10% of the elite forces know what he's up to or know these kinds of things that he's planning. The ones with the blood red stripes on their uniforms, which I noticed when they got out of the helicopter at the very end, those guys had the blood red stripes. Rick even calls them out. He says, you guys go out with your Blackhawks. And if you notice, if, you, if you're if you on like a big enough screen or whatever it is, when the Blackhawks are leaving the pads, the missiles that they're carrying that Rick calls him out on, one of the sides of, of missiles is green and the other is blue and if you remember from world beyond some of those missiles carry those chemicals meant for obviously omaha etc but mm. it, do you agree because i mean i think that's what they were out there doing at least for the crm or whatever i Just mean that's what i'm thinking about it it's portland and omaha were, were that big and the commonwealth is getting that big there's no way they don't know about the commonwealth that's kind of what i'm have saying to. They have to know about. So they the have to be embedded. So, like, just on the note, and note of the question, and I have yet to hear from Rachel and Bridget. Do you think that they definitely have somebody or a presence or something embedded in any of these communities to know a little bit more about it? Just based on the what they pulled through on World Beyond. See, this is why World Beyond is critical. I'm sorry, hands down, World Beyond is a requirement. I'm sorry because you wouldn't know what happened in to Omaha, right? In the campus colony, if you didn't watch it. So then none of that really has any meaning to you. It has a deeper meaning to all of us because we watched it. There is critical information in that show. In horror, too, by the way. We wrestled with it. Like, oh, there has to be a greater purpose to this. So, no, so I just, I just want to say that really quickly. <laughs> the current time also is well after they took out the New York lab, right? Because that was like 10, 10 and a half years after. And right. we're caught up to present time, which is 12... 13 years after we're not caught up to present we're caught up to the beginning of world beyond so esteban actually by the way figures out oh, but that there's a time jump the time jump occurs maybe two and a half years or three into the apocalypse right so the time jump on the walking dead because there's a time jump sort of in between where fear of season four comes out then the bridge and all that stuff six year time jump from there let's just say it's nine years right now back to the walking dead the ones who live Esteban sees Rick inside the walls of the CR. He's like, hey, well, you're you're not here. You're on for you. You don't have your consignee jacket, which means he's still within the six year period that kinds consignees have before mm -hmm. they can enter the city. Like you're not on furlough, you're not, et cetera, et cetera. So even though Omaha just happened is about to happen. Am I wrong or am I right? I'm not sure. Well, he's watching that when he's writing the letter. The last the last letter. one. Yeah. And so, so when Omaha that happens before the time jump of him becoming a main soldier, a, right, soldier. Force guy, because after that happens, it goes to now. The time is now the now time. And you're that right. Was, I'm sorry. There's a whole title card. Why did I think? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I'm done. So where they are now, they that's had to have have happened. The world beyond. And it would have. And remember, the world beyond is 10 years static. Yeah. From what the was the thing about the grasshopper? with the spiky sides that the kid hid in. Could that be one of the art installations from the world beyond? We had the art community that built the funky statues everywhere. Remember they had the big funky statue outside of in it? In the perimeter colony, yeah. That's what you're saying. Could that kid have been somewhere near the perimeter colony? I Is that a piece of- too far. I don't think she could have walked that far. 
they were on a mission outside of the perimeter when he found that kid because he was like we're we were on a mission to a chemical factory to pick stuff up they were way far out so could they have been up towards the new york area and that was where they found her i think that's way too far though i honestly don't think so because you have to also remember she said that this grasshopper statue was in a museum not outside it wasn't a public installation i don't think they were as far out as we think though because Esteban knew where that drainage pipe would lead. So that had right. to be part of his schematics. And probably part of the water their, reclamation their, system. Right, their system. But I think the key point is that that grasshopper statue was in the museum where they were hiding out, not in like some public installation. So I don't think it has yeah. any relation to perimeter colony. Plus, and, the distance is really far. Those installations yeah. in upstate New York, I, it's easily four or five hours away. Before we get too far away from it, there were two separate news reports, right? There was a news report about what happened in Omaha, and then there was a separate news report about what happened in New York. Because they specifically said hundreds of people were inside of a building, and then something happened inside the building, and we know that it was the kids blowing up the floor to, that was to get underneath. Omaha. So they were, what they were reporting on was entirely on Omaha. They said... Two forces entering Omaha. The column, which we find out, they, they didn't say column, but I was thinking, say column, say column. <laughs> the humongous, gigantic horde entered in from two yeah. points. Yes. Now, the remaining people that survived before they didn't survive, they said they had reconnaissance of people entering a building to survive the blast. Yeah. But it was like a few hundred people. They weren't talking about the, the labs New in New York. Okay. No, no, that's no. okay. That when I heard that, I thought that's what they were talking about was when they blew up the lab in New York. Right. No, that was, that was Omaha. That was still Omaha. Yeah. yeah. Which is scary. Okay. I found a giant grasshopper sculpture in a museum and it's in Boston. Boston. Huh? I don't know. I still think it's a stretch. There's also one in Salem, Oregon, but I don't think they went that far for sure. Right. <laughs> I'll put it in the blog. Boston science museum. Hmm. All right, you know, let's file it away. He might come back again. One of the things I was thinking about the turbines, remember in Fear and I think another show. Anyway, we were talking about like the round, how things go around and around. Like cycles. Right, cycles. Well, isn't that pretty much what the wind turbines are? Rick is stuck in the same circle over and over and over again. Loop. And he's, yeah. that's why he's sitting there watching the turbines just go around and around. Well, he's him trying to do the loop. same thing over and over right. again in cycles. Like every year he tries to escape. But... Include it in that. And I see, I want to bring this up because the one thing you do see throughout this episode is red light. When Rick and them are in the fields trying to clear the, the burning dead in the initial sequence. Well, not the intro sequence. So that was him in front of the TV, but in the field and he cuts off his hand, which we talked about. It's really cool. Blah, 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 whatever. The thing that you see first is obviously the red lights, the floodlights that come on. I'm like, okay, that's not very effective, but still it's to make a point. <laughs> I'll get to it in a second. Then it's the red light on the soldier's uniforms, the red stripes on the, on the uniforms, burning red. I looked it up because I, even though it was kind of dumb to look it up, like, oh, what does red light mean or red eyes mean or something like that? One of the things that came up as a theme, a narrative theme, is that red lights indicate usually that you're recording or that you're being watched. Red eyes means malevolence, essentially, related to rage or vengeance. But the whole you're being watched thing triggered me because something that we said in the second season of World Beyond was sort of in the middle and then it gets on later on and they really, it's a theme that re kept repeating. One thing that the CRM loves to do that I suddenly realized they're doing in this episode is that when they see that you're doing something wrong, they don't stop you. They let you keep doing the thing. 
to see how far you'll go. Until such a point where they kind of have to stop you. We see that in this episode. I wish I could bring up a specific handful of examples that I could bring from the world, from Walking to the World Beyond. But I see that theme is coming back here on two fronts. They sort of watch Rick try to escape and then eventually stop him. Okafor has read the, uh, the third escape attempt letter that he threw on the boat. He goes after Michonne, but, and he lets the letter go. He lets Michonne have the letter. This is something I wanted to talk about again, because why does he do that? Well, because he's trying to reform things. He's trying to change the way things are. Michonne isn't yet another A who can think for herself, based on probably what the letter says and whatnot. But guess who's doing the same thing as Okafor and as most of the elites in CRM? Beale. He knew Rick would say no, even though he knows better. He's been watching. The theme of watching, the red dot, the eye, they're watching. Don't the windmills look like they're watching Rick? And he realizes they've been watching me the whole time. They've been reading my letters the whole time. They know everything. Well, we're led to believe that Kublik's apartment was bugged. Right. Why would they have bugged everything? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. They let that happen. They let everything happen because all it is, they want to get all the info on all the people that are doing wrong. How you gain knowledge. Yeah, exactly. They're thinking people are going to do this anyway because people can't help themselves from trying to be free or free from authority, especially in a world like this. The Walking Dead universe allows you to be the person meant to be. (laughs) (laughs) But they know that. So they're like, okay, you know what? Let's let them run around their gerbil cage. Let's see how far they get. It's a good idea from a power standpoint, because if you just watch them, observe them, you know what's going to happen. So you can, like you said, they are gerbils. So they'll let them get so far and then they can find out all these different ways that people are trying to escape, trying to get out, trying to do this, and then they can stop it before it even happens next time. And reinforce their measures, right? Absolutely. And Which we saw. Rick is exceptionally good at it. So if they can stop him and plug all the holes he's creating, other people will be easy. And it's not only the fact that he's exceptional, right? But it's also the fact that he's, they haven't encountered somebody who wanted to escape the CR or the CRM. Let's say he's a consignee, so technically CRM. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing I did in our live watch. Clearly, Okafer has never watched The Walking Dead because... Rick literally destroys everything he touches. Like, why would he? I don't understand why he wants Rick to help him lead anything. Do you know this guy? I think he sees a lot of himself in Rick. One of the things he says is to him and to Thorne is, if you could save the world, you would. Sure, I will give that to Rick. He does try, but much like Madison, it ends up in disaster every time. But that's in spite of himself. He does try. I will give him that, but... It doesn't usually end well for him. <laughs> for him, but not for other people. Well, maybe for other people. I don't know yet. No, I, no. Uh, Alexandria succeeded more after he was gone. <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. Well, so, but I wanted to get to Beale, though, because I think Beale knows about Okafor. You mean John Locke? <laughs> no. I mean Major General Beale, the God damn it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But no, but do you guys agree with that? Do you think Beale just knows the whole game? He knows what Okafor is trying to do. He well, knows Rick he has to say no. He says to Rick, I'll know. Look me in the eye and I'll know. Look me in the eye, Grimes. And he looks mm. in he the knows eye. Something's so up. he knows something's up because, well, okay, here's the thing. You're in power, but you're not supposed to be in power any longer. Mm-hmm. But you've manufactured a situation in order to keep yourself there. Expand now. on that because you're saying the thing, but you're not saying the thing thing because we okay, mentioned well, it the, the other thing night. Thing because maybe you didn't watch World Beyond. And if you didn't, you're yeah, if no, you no, didn't no. watch World Beyond. See, <laughs> here's the thing. Here's the thing. Those of you who are sly enough who, to watch the title sequence 
we might notice the fact that the same newspaper that we saw in World Beyond、mm-hmm. mentioning people wanting oversight on the CR. Actually, I wrote the title of the the Civic Republic Tribune. Majority of CRC candidates call for oversight of the CRM, and you see the protest signs in the park、mm-hmm. where Esteban and Rick meet. This has to do with the now, right? Two different signs: one with the CR CR logo, CR lines of the three, whatever, and the other with like kind of the red stripes of the American flag or something. Anyway, so this is all about the ten-year plan that the Civic Republic worked out with Civic Republic military that the military would take over governance for the first ten years until it finally hands off the government to the people, the CR. Well, and people are starting to get antsy because it feels like that's not happening. This is what Bridget's mentioning right now. So you manufacture a situation like Omaha Campus Colony, and then you go, "Hey, hey, hey, hey! You're not ready to take over. People are against us. Look, one of our three branches is completely destroyed. You wouldn't want you that to、us. happen here. You need us to be active. You need militia, martial law. You love <laughs> martial law. law. <laughs> you love it. You love and, martial law. And so. <laughs> There are people in your upper echelon who know that you've manufactured this situation to maintain power because they had to be the ones to carry it out. I love that the press picks up on it and the military doesn't stop it. You can fault the CRM for a lot of things, but they're not like the Commonwealth who tried to squelch the press、yeah. <laughs> and go after Connie. I was actually fearful when Esteban was like, "I'm with a journalist." I was like, "No, right." <laughs> no, and it's such, but, right. I didn't. You, we immediately thought the same thing. Oh, he's with Con, which I wouldn't hate, by the way. Which I, I couldn't、hate. tell, but I mean, you only saw her from behind, and it kind of looked like maybe it could have been Connie. Hold on a second. You see him get up from a picnic blanket, and so like in that vague area, you、oh, can like kind of assume. I did not catch that. I didn't either. Maybe I, I will have to include、I、a screenshot. Maybe I'm a liar. Hmm. You might be a liar. I think so. <laughs> I only watched it thought, once. Hold on, I'm going to ask.、Once. I'm going to ask you a real question. If that woman sort of kind of looked like you from behind, would you be mad at it? Look, that wasn't me in that picture. <laughs> at that random booth at the camp. But would you want that it to be? It was before I even knew you. Because <laughs> okay, he's like a great. Br- This is what I was talking about, like about The Walking Dead. Is like I love those little moments of humor. That just break up some of the darkness, and it's just so refreshing. I love okay, this character, but we can agree. Please don't die. We, I was just going to say we can agree. Esteban、yeah. is going to die. I don't want that to happen. I don't either. Especially since he certainly did not give Rick any information. I don't either. And I will say this: I thought the same thing about Jerry, and he did not. Thank、mm-hmm. God. Especially Rachel was so worried. I was so worried. I was honestly from the time Jerry was introduced. Until the end of the series, I was constantly worried for Jerry's life.、Mm. I'm 100 with you. I mean, only, We said yeah, as much in early seasons, young, right? I totally knew Jerry constantly. Oh, you're married now. You're happy. You have children.、Yeah. You're dead. He's exactly the character that they would take away from us, and we would、you、all be、so、much devastated. Exactly. I don't know anybody. I don't know anyone who doesn't love Jerry. Like that would rock the entire community. I'm. It'd、so、be、yeah. a second Glenn. Oh, oh, honestly, man. honestly, 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 <sighs> I think maybe that's why they didn't do that. They got、Probably. they got it out of their system <laughs> early on. Anyway,、Probably. but but looping back to Esteban, it's been sort of significant amount of time, significant enough to be like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while, sort of situation. Yeah, he's he's not deputy water manager. He's now senior level, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first time he sees, he's talking. They got air conditioning, man. Air <laughs> condi- no more swamp ass. And then you go to him in the park, and he's like, 
you get the sense that either being involved with the journalist or knowing how things work to how he got to senior level water manager gives him a sense of like how things run. And maybe that it's not all that it's cracked up to be. That's the sense that I got. Maybe that's kind of why he helps him, I think. Well, he, he says flat out, I get it. It, that's that's he what tells I mean. Rick, because I get, I get it. it isn't enough to go by, but you're like, I get what he's saying when he says, I get it. <laughs> or he gets the fact that he's doing this for somebody that he loves. And now Esteban has someone that he loves. Mm-hmm. And exactly. If, and if he were separated from this person, he would be trying just as hard to get back to them. Which makes sense. It's exactly it, it makes sense based mm-hmm. on the, so the panel that we covered last night, the 92, why Denite says this is an epic love story. And that's what we're trying to tell. So Mm -hmm. these little critical moments of like, I get it because now I'm in love just goes to further kind of point at that. Like, look, this is a love story. Mm -hmm. One of the things that bothered me, though, how did Rick not figure out before that being a part of the CRM would give him more opportunities to escape? I can yeah. see it. You really see the light bulb go right. off when like, Esteban it, says that. And well, you're no, like, when, when Okafor says it to him, when he's, Rick's not stupid. No, but and he can really, be, he puts kind of blinders on sometimes. But when your whole goal is to escape and you're trying to find every possible avenue to escape, why wouldn't you think that having a role where you have more freedom would give you the opportunity to escape? Where you go out further afield and you're not just on the outskirts. I could see if he'd only been there a couple of months or whatever, but he's been there for six years. How has he not figured this out? Yeah, that is a long. I could see it going on even for the first couple of years. The rage, the anger, the desperation outweighing anything else. But yeah, you're right. Six years is a long time. <laughs> when he has that conversation with Esteban, though, at that point, I don't. Well, no, the first one or the second one? The first conversation he has okay. when Esteban, and he's like, today's my last day. I'm going over there. That's when he gives Rick the idea. He's like, you would have more freedom to try and escape while you're out there. And then you s- literally see, you the, see light the light bulb, bulb go, go off, off over Rick's head. Well, it's also staged by Okafor's conversation, which is an entry point I want to get into at some point to kind of really dig into Okafor. Yeah. But Okafor says, you think that being a consignee and staying on the, instead of working on getting towards the inside is your way of getting out? It's not. You think being on the outside helps, will get you that much closer to escaping? No. Why would you say that? If not for the fact that maybe he's saying sort of slyly, and I'll get, I'll get to why, that your only way out is through getting in. And Rick's, he's at this point, he's like, I just cut off my hand. I'm very frustrated and angry. And he's like, you think you're my friend? No, get out of here, Okafor. You're a dirty idiot. So and then he talks to Esteban. And that's why he staged the conversation. So the lights can go on when he speaks to Esteban. A guy he likes, right? Mm-hmm. Okafor is that dummy. Like, why do you keep following me? You're my friend in high places. Get off of me. Anyway, but... Why I want to talk about this is because, again, one of the things that we said in the reaction video, I said, was that Okafor to me seems like the character that just sticks with me because he believes in Rick so hardcore, believes in this idea that he has of reforming the CRM so hardcore. That specific idea, to spell it out, is that, and to kind of call Sharon D out and saying, you're right, A's think for themselves, A's are leaders, A's are people that other people follow, so they gotta go. Well, he wants to change that. He wants to get people from the outside, Okafor, because they have this experience. Some of these people that have lived so long aren't completely awful, and they might have valuable leadership experience that they can bring in, because these are people who probably want to save the world because they've worked so hard to save whatever community they're in, whatever. So these A's could be valuable at the CRM 
to reform it. Because he says specifically, and this is something we've heard in The Walking Dead World Beyond, in the first season even, what does Huck say? Well, you got to be the monster to kill monsters, right? You got to hmm. do bad to do good. That's what I was going to say earlier with your question that you asked me. Is there people planted in other communities? They did it with Huck. So they probably did it with other people. I was going to bring that up, but then nice. we got off. On Thank it. you. Perfect. And by the way, both Lieutenant Colonel Kublik and Okafor, they're both Lieutenant Colonels too. So they're, they're in that echelon. Do you know what happens when you kill all the people who were leaders instead of bringing them into your army? And your, you get the dip that you had in Fear Season 7 that get blown up by a cannonball. <laughs> she just can't stop Seriously. Like, for real, you, you get the... Like, what kind of army are you going to have if you kill all the intelligent, self-thinking people off? And what doesn't make any sense is they're not even following that logic, Charity. They brought in Jadis. Jadis was leading a community. She invented a theatrical language in order to further mm -hmm. bond them together. And you're telling me she's supposed to be a bee? Are you kidding me? Well, so this brings up the bigger question that we kind of addressed, but we said, okay, we're going to set this aside. Is Jadis the chicken or the egg? Was she originally part of this project and then joined the Did Junkyard Gang? Did you notice game? her grinder in the flashback sequences that Rick was having? Yes. The house, the, the orange yep. light, the this, the that. And then there was Jadis's grinder was in there too. Yeah, I did this see This is in that. the very beginning? It's right after he and Michonne had their second meeting when he was like maybe when i should come ring? back with a ring or something yeah. like that and then it disappeared and then there were a bunch of flashes like the house burning then there was something oh, and michonne's else. on fire that's that one the last one right the last dream sequence as he goes out of that scene they're flashing through different scenes and one of them was jadis's grinder down and it might have been at the beginning too i just happened to notice it you're saying jadis's grinder but i'm thinking coffee grinder you're talking about the one specifically the grinder the junkyard yeah. Yeah, yeah, where the all her grinder. people fell into Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fell like, oh. into. Rick was in her apartment drinking coffee. How dare he? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh no, it's the meat. It's the meat grinder. It's the organ like, grinder. I don't remember Jada's having a coffee grinder. <laughs> <laughs> and the walker that Rick ended up soldering his hand on had all the spikes and stuff in its face, like Winston. Right, Winslow. Winslow, yeah, Winslow, Winslow sorry. Yeah. Which, by the way, I wrote that down in my notes. I said, oh, but they're at a farm. It could be a pitchfork. So I was like, yeah, maybe sticking out of its head. Sure. But I, of course, I'm thinking nefarious. No, I wanted to get to the bigger picture talk about Okafor, essentially, though. Okay, there's the thing that I mentioned earlier. Why does he give Michonne even the opportunity to have even a whiff of where Rick could be? Or okay. that he's still alive. So, but wait, there's another point. There's another point I need to bring up. He also brings up at the end, or another Omaha, signaling what Rick has been suspecting all along that the CRM is behind Omaha. And thirdly, the swear on the sword line that I mentioned in the reaction video swear on the sword, but don't let it take. I wondered throughout my third watch tonight whether Okafor's intention was always going to be to have him reunite with Michonne. And when I wanted to know what you guys think of that, because there's other evidence too. So Michonne found the boots and the phones on a boat when she was on Bloodworth Island, right? Right. And the, mm -hmm. the letter itself, right, right? right? At some point. Okay. And he said, I went back and got the letter and read it and blah, blah, blah. And I found the phones. But how did he take the boat and set it at Bloodworth Island? And how did he know that she was at Bloodworth Island to find the boat? Unless, what's his name? Virgil. The dude, Virgil. Oh, Virgil. Unless, yeah. unless Virgil <laughs> is one of the people who are an implant. Because how else would Okafor know that she was just going to magically be at Bloodworth Island and find this boat with the letter and the boots and the phone on it? 
Okay, I thought Rick has a bunch of phones and a bunch of letters. And so I assume every opportunity Mm -hmm. he has, he's dropping them in various places. The boots were very explicit. He threw the boots onto that boat and she found the boots. Yes. And wait, hold on a second. Rick throws them onto the boat, but he never gets the chance to get on it. Where does Michonne even find? Oh, they're inside the boat. And stacked neatly in the shelves, yeah, right? Yeah, but didn't Virgil say something about he f- he saw them on the and boat? And he stacked them away. I guess it's possible they stacked them away. How would Okafor know that she would find it? So did Okafor specifically mention the boots? Am I just not remembering that? I don't remember if he did or not, but we specifically saw the boots get thrown on yes, the Yes, but did, is Okafor specifically referring to that letter or is he referring to a different He said, letter? I found the letter that I went back to Rat Island where I picked you up. And I went and found the letter that you threw into the water and I picked it up and read it. Right. It's the same letter that Michonne reads at the series finale. So he went and found the letter and I guess whatever was on the boat or whatever. But how did the boat get to Bloodworth Island and how did they know she would find it at Bloodworth Island? So here's the thing. That's interesting. I don't think he did. I think he left it to chance. I'm fine with that. I just love the fact that he read the letter, put it back in the bottle, threw it out into the ocean for her to find. Because you have to remember that the letter was not obviously not included with the boots and the iPhone. She gets the, the iPhone with her and Judith and the boots, but the letter comes much later on in her travels, which we might actually even see, by the way. So we might actually get to that point where she finds the letter. If he was still in Philadelphia when he got picked up, then there is a water route that goes from the river that runs through Philadelphia to Bloodworth Island. So the yep. boat could have floated there. Sure. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah, sure. Right. But if he was just doing it for chance, that's a pretty okay. <laughs> that's, that's interesting pr- chance. Okay. That's that's pretty. Yeah. Bear with me a moment here, because this is what I thought happened. So the shoes and the phone go on to the boat. OK, that's what she finds on the boat. The letter is separate. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that he didn't write many copies of the same letter and put them in many different bottles? OK. And Okafor okay. only found because that's automatically what I assumed had happened. It's entirely possible. But do you the think fact her that he's drawing on the phones? Because he had several phones with her drawings on it. Do you think he mm-hmm. was putting those out there with the like, hey, have you seen this woman or whatever? I don't know if he was just throwing them out there so that she would know like he's still also he's still alive. Since I don't really when know. Were our phones now their canvas, they are now the canvas right. of the apocalypse. I wondered if it was just something that it's like it's trash to everybody else. So it's like easy to find. Yeah, I would. I could agree you know? with that. That's what I thought happened. So this letter, the letter thing to me wasn't that confusing because I was just like, oh, there must have been another one. Well, it would have to be the same exact one that he's throwing out there. But, but saying, either way, why? he found it. I could see that. But still, it's much more fun. I mean, <laughs> maybe that, Okafor yeah. threw it back. I don't I don't know. But well, anyway. I mean, yeah. it could just be saying they're meant to be together. And that's how she found it out. In the, well, it's also opportunity. Uh, thousands right? of miles and a, on a on a tiny little island in the Delaware River. On a wing and she, a prayer. <laughs> that she was all high on Jimson weed and she just happened to find his stuff. Like, OK. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, Virgin does mention Virgin. Virgil. <laughs> Virgil. Maybe, though. He had a doctor, didn't he? Immaculate conception. Anyway. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So Virgil does sort of mention that, okay, what had happened with that boat was that a whole a strike force had come in, I think, or something like that. He mentioned something like that in the episode. I thought it was so, like weather. I thought weather had moved it. But anyway. I'm just saying. It could be the CRM is like, you know, or specifically speaking, Okafor's presence may have brought that boat to Bloodworth Island, too. I have to rewatch that episode to kind of confirm that. You are right. Someone did take them from the deck and brought them in. You are correct. That did happen. 
Someone have to happen. Someone did touch them at some point. Twice, Rick and Rashawn mentioned the big blue building. Do you think that has anything to do with something that's coming up? First, she says it's past the big blue building. Well, and then he says, should I just keep walking past the big blue building to my desk? And she says, yes. That's a case of Kafka's gun. I talked about this on my channel. Kafka's gun is a writing mechanism in which something is brought up in the first act, i.e. a gun, in passing. Then it has to be utilized by the final act. Because otherwise, why did you bring it up? Mm -hmm. You brought mm -hmm. it up so that you could have a weapon for the final act so you can kill somebody. So it's Unless like, the writing's bad. <laughs> that does happen that does happen but you're right it well, is yeah. here's an oxygen something. tank out of nowhere magically that we can't trace how it got here but here you go <laughs> i fixed it by stabbing at it <laughs> anyway but yes yeah i i think you're onto something but i kind of mentioned this in the reaction video I, I think it could be also used metaphorically the big big blue building is the crm she says to walk past the building for now essentially <laughs> his cartography office you'll right? get the cartography there, department. i believe in you exactly and there might not be his office there could be you'll get into the big blue building it could be a bunch of things yeah i never took it as a literal building yeah i think it was more of a metaphor and we know that the color blue has come up over and over and over and over throughout oh, this Rachel. entire season mm -hmm. or I didn't series write that. this entire I didn't write series that. and i'm the one who ranted on and on about that in season eight of, yeah. of the walking dead the paint means innocence or something. Yeah. Blue, blue is like victims. Hope. That was what they were painting right. the walkers uh, with when they yeah. were tracking the walkers in the world beyond. They were putting blue paint on them. Or was it? Was it, was it orange? Paint. Orange, paint. It was orange. Orange paint. It was blue. Yeah. Doctor Balthazar. What was his name? <laughs> Doctor Bath. Bath was blue, Beth. and I remember this because the doors. They were painting the doors blue, putting blue X's on the doors in fear at the beginning. <laughs> And that's how okay. I remembered that they were they were putting blue paint on. The I walkers. just watched that episode. Oh, oh I'm thinking World Beyond. Why. World Beyond. They were marking you know with what? orange. I forget oh, the yeah, I'm name. talking about World Beyond. Yeah, you and I were both in the World Beyond <laughs> yeah, universe, and she was in fear. Huck and Felix were were spray painting them blue. Yes, but yes that's Elton what I meant. was no, no. right. Not, but Elton was painting them orange. Yeah. yeah what was yeah. his name again? The, it starts with a B, though. Beth, it does. Doctor Baphomet. Balthazar. That's not it. No, no, no. No, no, it's not any of those. Dr. Baphomet. Baphomet, yeah, he's like no, a demon. It's, he's right. He's a goat guy. It. He's a goat guy. Stop summoning them. I know. It's like, I summon the Beetle Baphomet. It's no. Dr. Beetlejuice. Ban Bannerman. Bannon. Bannon. Oh, that's Dr. what you would Bannon. say, by the way. You said, oh, it's Dr. Bannerman. I'm like, no, Rachel, it's Bannon. not Dr. Bannerman. It is a B. Anyway. I'll bring matter. it up in the blog. I'll look for it in our blog. Yeah. But um, but anyway, when I heard him say big blue building, I thought, okay, it's a metaphor and the color blue we've seen over and over and over again. Like you just need to get past this obstacle to get to where you're going. You know, now that you say that, by the way, I thought the blue, big blue building was the CRM or the CR or whatever it is. But when you say the blue paint, the reference, mm -hmm. uh, Jadis, whatever it is, uh, the handprints that Carl and Judith. The blue wing on... Daryl's vest. Mm -hmm. We've seen jacket blue. from Judith, right? We've seen blue come yeah. up throughout the series. By the way, and that's a gimple thing. Just so everybody's clear, is mm -hmm. it's a gimple thing? Mm -hmm. Oh, it means something. <laughs> so I'm stepping in the gimple. blue paint, tracking. <laughs> anyway, so you saying that actually makes me think a bigger thing because I thought CRM, but I'm thinking now, what if the big blue building is saving the world? Because hmm. you'll get there. I believe mm -hmm. in you. 
you're going past it. Okay, we're going to go past saving the world. It's not going to work. But eventually, and Okafor says something hauntingly similar. He's like, listen, you're going to get to that point. You're going to find that point. And when I, when you do, I know you're going to make the right decision. And Michonne sort of says the same thing in the dreamish sequences, right? So it's kind of like, I believe in you. You'll get there. I want to bring up another item from Aiden's list. Michonne tells Rick that she believes in him, which echoes something Rosita said in the first half of season eight. I believe in Rick Grimes. Mm. Mm. The world's going to need Rick Grimes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's I mean, that sentiment has been echoed that was through many, many, many seasons. When you guys were mm -hmm. talking a little while ago about to become what you were meant to be, that is something that Martha said several times throughout <laughs> four season four. Yeah. She wanted Morgan to become what he was meant to be. Like that rung my bell. As soon as they said it, I was like, wait a minute. Dirty the Martha? dark version. You sound like <laughs> Dirty Martha. The filthy woman. <laughs> so right, well while, while, we're, while we're talking about a's b's they call them delts so we have alphas yeah. betas and deltas so what is the c you have a's b's and d's what is the c <laughs> well i assumed that delta <laughs> was because you're going by the military alphabet and d for dead would be delta that's where i assume that came from do you think that's their their name that's, for the yeah, delts? Yeah, that's yeah. what they called them they mentioned it a couple it times. Really, and I, was like, what I are they struggled. Talking about? I wrote. You're Delt's right. That's mark? what Beale refers. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You're right. So I, I thought that was just simply the militaristic, whatever it's called. Well, I mean, that's, the that's one another thing, name for walkers. But it's another yeah, name for. Well, I mean, I, I get that's yeah, the military yeah. designation, but still, mm -hmm. you have an A and a B, and then you have a D. That leads me to believe that somewhere in there's a C, and we're gonna find out what that is. So maybe C's are just the random people still existing out there, Commonwealth, not part of anything, but their own little thing. Well, that's what I thought the Delts actually meant, because they lived in the Delta. I, <laughs> just, I don't know why I thought that. And here's the thing. I thought it was an actual person. So when Beale was saying monstrous, like so about Okafor having Burke. to... That's who it was talking about, Delta Burke. I wasn't thinking quite that, but I was thinking like kind of like racist. All sort of you thing. young like, people ugh, just go Delts. look up Delta Burke and designing women and it's you're going to it. change your life. It's not worth it. It's uh, not it's, worth it. It's worth it a thousand times. She was also on an episode of Who's the Boss I just watched. Hey, that's Suzanne Sugarbaker. <laughs> <laughs> My stars, Suzanne Sugarbaker. Suzanne Sugarbaker. Rachel? Do you know what this I is? Got, I got nothing. Right, right, right. No, 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 I do know. I've seen Designing Women. I've seen Designing Women, and then I turned it off because I was a boy. And uh, it's not no. for me. Rachel, it's like you're, you're a Southern woman. Golden Girls. She's, I told yeah. you she's not. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Southern, yeah. Southern Golden Girls. Does anyone die? <laughs> well, if it makes you That's feel better, a lot of them are dead now. Yeah. No. <laughs> Bah, 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 bah. No. <laughs> <laughs> sorry the story about rick's dad is very much like the story about john's dad how john's dad did the wrong thing for the right reason just like mm -hmm. rick's dad mm -hmm. did the wrong yeah. thing for the right reasons mm -hmm. shut the up mm -hmm. true 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 i do love that story and i love i love it even more that it came from andrew lincoln he like was ad sort of ad-libbing the line in probably the writer's room or whatever he was doing maybe even in the scene that transcended not just that scene, but it also was in between the dream sequence. You saw frames of him mm. looking down at the stairs and the burning and, and the, the, burning, the yeah. out exterior of, the, of his farm and the fire in the, in the distance, etc. I just enjoyed it because you still know so little about these characters from the before time. You only know who they are now. 
which yes that's super gratifying and that's like that's why we all secretly wish that like a zombie apocalypse would happen so we could completely reinvent ourselves and be like the people we're meant to be or whatever but it is nice to get this like little bit of information that you never had before that just really speaks a lot to the kind of family that Rick grew up in and and who he is as a person who he would have had to have been growing up there's some givens then with that like if you know that he was a farmer's kid he had to work yeah. hard he would have had to do chores his work ethic would have been probably pretty impeccable as a result there's like these little pieces that you get it, it and that he knew suffering yeah also yeah hardship rather i should has say has it ever been confirmed i know we've talked about it a lot but has it ever been confirmed or denied that rick had any siblings so he did in the letter funny you should bring that oh, up he talks but about Carl a brother right i have it right here obviously and i will just mention robin did this this is robin overton's work oh so it's the picture of rick and and baby Carl walking and then the letter that Carl writes. I was going to say, I wonder if that's a picture of him walking on a dad's farm in the before times. Oh, maybe. Oh, no, he passed. When, his dad passed when he was very young, though. But Ooh, they still might have still right? had the farm. Yeah. Right. They could have had, the had the farm. Yeah, they could have had the farm. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, sure. The thing that I took away from that story he was telling in the helicopter was he was coming down the stairs quietly as to not wake his family leading me to believe that there was more people in the house than just his parents. Cause otherwise he would have said my parents. I like that. He that chose it's to say though, my family. They can always like insert it later. Like, Oh yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. There were the other people. Yeah. Still a little open-ended. Well, and then I started thinking like, has he mentioned, a, I feel like he's mentioned a brother at well, that's some what point. Bridget's getting to because in the letter, the call right writes to By Rick. By the way, um, this memory, just, you know, you told me about the walks we used to take when I was three you holding my hand around the neighborhood all the way to Ross's farm. So it was Ross's. the Ross okay. family's farm. But he mentioned something about hanging out at I this like, community center. I thought it was center. Uncle Danny. I thought it was somewhere. It's not. It's actually not in here. In here, it's Aunt Evie. I don't oh, know. Sister? Auntie. Or Lori's sister. Lori's sister. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I forget she exists. I don't see anything Lori about... Um, <laughs> like but birthday I parties at Aunt Evie's or I swear he mentioned an uncle. Yeah, I thought so too. And like I assumed it was Rick's brother. Anyway, I mean, I always felt like they were leaving that kind of open-ended so that if they wanted to do the alien, they could. Jeffrey Grimes yeah. in Paris, essentially. Yeah. Barcelona, Dave. Barcelona. Bar Barcelona? <laughs> yeah. Fame. Sorry, corrected. I always say France, though, uh, because you know what? We because thought, we like, talked oh, a lot that... about it during the Daryl coverage, because there are right. some very reminiscent pieces. Maybe that's why it was lodged in my brain, because I knew we had gonna, talked I'm about it, look, but I couldn't I'm remember if it was ever Uncle like Danny, confirmed right. on the yeah on the on the show ever. But that was that was what I noticed about the story. Uh, well, I did want to go back to the question, though. So you've had some time to think about it. Do you think Okafor had meant for Rick and because he mentions, okay, that one or maybe two people can save the world. Essentially, essentially, he says this during their training or something when he's learning about the elite stuff and they're going back and forth between Th Thorne and learning the books and stuff like that and jogging and whatnot. He mentions that like one or two people can save the world, one or maybe two people. They'll end up doing the right thing when when the moment comes. Okay, so he could be meaning Rick and Thorne, but he could also mean this whole modus operandi was to always get rick and michonne back together i wondered okay. about that but i want to know what you guys think because it feels like this character might live on a little further than we we take him for oh i definitely think his his message and his presence is going to be felt throughout the rest of these episodes i've had a little bit of time to think about it and i think okafer's playing you know the long game right and 
if he meant for Michonne to find those letters or even eventually find Rick, then Okafer probably thought he could eventually recruit these people to be on his side in this eventual change or takeover or whatever. And the more people, the more allies he has on his side, he has a better chance, right? Because it be, it's about numbers. Now, I don't know because I'm, I'm trying to think very quickly here because timelines and if he knows about the Commonwealth, but does he know our group's connection to Commonwealth now? Because that kind of happened after Michonne left. So if he's really only tracking Michonne, he might not know that our group has a connection to the Commonwealth, which would he be, which would be an even bigger ally for him in this fight against change. I think he's more interested in it. Well, let's just say that he even knows about the Commonwealth. Let's just say, do they seem like the kind of people that would be the A's that he would need to change the CRM? Let's just think directly about the people who inhabit the, their whole modus operandi is be what you were before. Be the, just survive, just do the thing you were before. Just, you know, don't think for yourself. None of the previous leaders of the Commonwealth would be, I would consider, good leaders. Pamela. Exactly. No. Pamela. You can just rule that out by inference. Right. The only one who might possibly would be... Mercer. Mercer. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I was trying I to get. I thought you We're thinking the same thing, but yeah. I was looking to let you say it. Yeah. I could, I, all I could think of was Michael James Shaw was always coming in. I right. his name. But Mercer, Mercer. would be a, an excellent ally for Okafer, right? I mean, he's a soldier. Yes, he thinks for himself, but he still is a well, soldier. I think and, um, Mercer has been playing that game because he has been towing the line up until it came time to not tow the line. Right. Exactly. So he's he a might follower. he he's... might even see eye to eye with with what Okafer is trying to do. I think he was a follower. I think he's always been a leader. He led his men, but he was a follower until it was necessary to not be a follower anymore. So he's always right. he, he always agreed had, until he, he right, saw the he corruption. always had the ability to be the leader. He just didn't but use never... it until the time came to use it. Right. Nobody in the Commonwealth, even Mercer, up until a point, thought for themselves. So right. I think it rules the Commonwealth out. By default. Now they could be following Alexandria. They could be following Hill. What well, remains of Hilltop? Except for Lance. Lance yes. had thought for himself. <laughs> Josh. Yes. Yes. But was he the kind of person that Okafor would want to have on his team? No. Exactly. No. Right. Because no. he wasn't. A, see, it's like the opposite, right? He does a Mercer was a leader, but was still a follower. <laughs> Lance was a leader, but nobody would follow him. Right. <laughs> Lance didn't want to save the world. No, You're Lance right. wanted to pad his own pocket. He just wanted power. Exactly. He would burn down the kingdom if it meant he could be king of the ashes, right? Yes. And he sort of somewhat says that to Carol in a way, like we could lead together. I could follow you. Do you think that Okafor's modus operandi, yes, it could have been to bring yet another A like Rick in, like Michonne. But do you think that his whole plan was, was to get Rick to Michonne no. in the end by way of no. joining his cause no i think he okay. used michonne as a leverage you need to join or i'm gonna if you run away i know where to find you and i'm gonna find your your girl too and, and i could have erased her i could have erased you right. i don't right. think he wants but i want you i think right like if, maybe maybe what you're trying to what, what you're alluding to is that i know that if i erased her you would never follow me well not only basically. that but you're going to follow me or i will go erase her it's the carrot, and the carrot and the stick. The carrot and the stick. Here, the I'm carrot gonna, and the stick. I'm going to dangle her in front of you. Maybe he knows that if he takes Rick out in the open like that, Rick is going to eventually try to bolt or something, you know? But basically, he's like, here is Michonne hanging on a stick like a carrot. 
so you will do what I want you to do. But to bookend this, I think, and this is fine. I'm, I'm okay with no answers. That's fine. But what I really, really love more than just that, that's a fun thing to play with, right? Like, oh, was his whole intention this or that? Okay, that's fun to play with. It's like, oh, it was Sebastian, not Sebastian. What is the guy's name? Negan's disciple sort of situation. Brandon. Uh, Brandon, Brandon. Oh, By Sebastian. Brandon. Brandon. Was he a fiction? Was he all a dream, right? Was he, a f- was, he was he all in his mind? Anyway, that's fun to play with. Why would Okafor <laughs> want him to find Michonne? Because once he finds Michonne, he's not going to come back. He is going to leave with Michonne. Well, he could bring Michonne and, and them in. But after Rick has been there, why would he want to bring Michonne and his daughter into a place like the CRM, knowing what goes on there. So Rick wouldn't want to bring Michonne and Judith in there either. And Okafor doesn't know enough about Michonne to say, oh, well, she would be a great addition or this or that. He doesn't know anything about her. He's had years of letters to probably look through too. But that doesn't tell us who Michonne is. Well, through the eyes of a person he believes in, but that's actually not, that's fine. The only reason why I latch onto this as much as I do is because what Okafor felt he had to do, kill his wife, the Marine, from preventing her to bomb the city. And I felt like deep inside Okafor. You think his wife wanted to bomb the city? My feeling was that she was part of the Marines that she didn't want to do it. And so to honor her wish, he bombed the Marines so that the city and That's fine too. Yeah. I know I'm, I'm down with that. He killed his wife to give her what she wanted. But I think there's a part of him that's like, of course he would do it again and again to save the world. And he sees that in Rick, in a sense. But I think there's maybe even a part of him that in order to, like there's an order of operations. I need Rick to, to actually submit to the idea that he could be the kind of person that would save the world if necessary, because that's what's needed. Because he says like, there's a tipping point. If we keep going like this, there's a tipping point and it's coming soon. I need people like you to save the CRM. Because if this keeps going on like this, we're going to fall. Our models of how we're running, based on how many soldiers they must be losing out in the field. All the dog tags hanging out in the greenhouse. Because there's a lot. There's mm-hmm. a starling amount of dog tags, right? He needs to submit and then he can reap the reward. And then it dovetails very nicely to what he says about how he had to kill his wife to save one city. And it happens to be the city. The CR, the one big city that's left that's hidden. So I feel like in the back of his mind, he's thinking, maybe I could reunite these two together. But I don't even really want to talk about that, actually. So like, was she uh, at the football field that he bombed? Yeah. Is that what is his that wife, how he yeah. killed her? She was, she okay. was one of the 4,000 Marines that were at the Preparing. football stadium that he dropped the okay. bomb on. Right. And we're sure of that? I yeah. Mean, he's pretty sure he's, of that. Yeah, because he says, I killed my wife. She didn't want them to take out the city, but she was going along with it anyway. And he had the option to bomb the city and he decided not to, but he I had, know, he had but, to kill you know, her to just, do it. As a rule of thumb in this world, you know, if you don't see a body, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw a lot of bodies. Yeah, that, <laughs> they were still moving around in the rubble, the dead, where they were meeting. No, like you could gone. see in the Until foreground and the background. <laughs> Those are the Marines. So they're pretty good. So that, that yeah, brings, I mean, that makes yeah. it even more poignant that he decided to take them there in memoriam to teach them. Yeah. What yeah. is this for? Even it's sacrifice. Sacrifice is brought up a lot. He says this to Beale. He says, mm-hmm. but so thank you for leading me there because. He says, you already made the choice. The choice he's talking about is he meets with him in the green room when he talks about Millet during the day. And he says, Rick says, I'm all in, essentially. And he does the all in thing on poker or whatever with Thorne in in some of the B-roll. Yeah, yeah. So he says, is this your choice? When he comes back at night and tries to kill Okafor, (laughs) he says, you already made the choice. But what we're all thinking, I think maybe 
is what he did at the bridge. You already sacrificed yourself to save your wife and child and all the people you love. You sacrificed your vision of the future, which is what the bridge was, to save people, to do the right thing, make it count, make it mean something. And it dovetails very nicely to what Thorne says earlier. They're not gone. We're gone. We made mm, the choice. Yeah. I just, there's, oh, I love the show. I love the show. It just, boop, 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 dots connect. It's like we are the walking dead. They're not gone. We're gone. We made the sacrifice. But no one's gone until they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Believe a little longer. Okafor also says, is this the end and the start? Rick says that. Well, or he says, Okafor, is this, Okafor says yeah. is this the end or are you, is this the end so you can start or something like that? Which is the end is the beginning. <laughs> they just rephrased it. Yeah, I, I'll take it. <laughs> Rick does repeat it back in a way. When Rick is reading the letter out loud towards the end, he says, I don't see the dead or trees or sky or water. So what that made me think about was at the end of Lord of the Rings when Frodo was going to the Grey Havens. He tells Sam, I can't taste the water. I can't see it. So what this is, is Frodo sacrificed himself to save the Shire. Exactly. That's what I mean. He's accepting the fact that I made a sacrifice and I have to make it count. So it has to mean something more than what, what I feel is the ring to Rick is the responsibility of keeping everyone alive. So he's carried this ring and it has changed him to the point that he can't see anything other than this tunnel vision he's got. I can't see anything anymore. It's it's all dead to me because of this responsibility and this care that I've had to carry for so long. And even though I might save this world, it's not going to be saved for me. I sacrificed anything I was going to get out of this world. It's not going to be saved for me. It's going to be saved for the people I love and care about. Right. AKA all y'all. But what I really like is that Thorne kind of alludes to this. They're not gone. We're gone. And she says, I would shoot you and I wouldn't miss, even though she covers for him a little later or earlier, earlier. No, later. He says this, later. Yeah, later. Yeah. And this is said by many people along the way. You shouldn't even be here. You shouldn't even be alive. Were it not for the fact that we existed to pick you up from the helicopter for your sacrifice, like, you should have died on that bridge. Done. But we invested in you. We need you to make that sacrifice count. M means something even more than it originally intended. But they, they kind of reiterate that if you keep trying to go after Michonne, and Judith, you'll get yourself killed and you'll erase them. It'll make your sacrifice have meant not only just nothing, but you, you will have undone the very people you're trying to save, at least. Because we'd have to erase you and them and anybody else connected to them. Only if he finds them. But he alluded to the fact he's already found them and their community. There's only so many Michelle's. What an odd name. <laughs> What a unique name or <laughs> something he says like that. He is very ominous. It is a unique name, but at that time, she's not with a community. She's not with anybody. She's on her own. She's out there doing the thing on her, by herself. So the only person they would come across is her. She's with King Bach. They... <laughs> is it Bach or Batch? I, I keep it was no, it's Bach. Okay, it's King, King Bach. Bach. And Brita Wool. And Brita. Which we'll see very soon, by see the way. Them. What? What? Right. Shh, well, I mean, they're on the show, is what la, I'm saying. La, 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 no, they're on the show. They're on. The, they're in. They're in the cast. It's Doctor Bavilar, by the way. Bavilar. <laughs> I was Welcome close. Beyond. I said Balthazar. <laughs> I was close. I said Baphomet. <laughs> Baphomet. <laughs> by the way, the I found Breaking out the there is no brother to Rick Grimes in the TV show as of right now. 
Okay. okay. That's, that's, yeah. I, I have not it, mentioned yes. him. So I just don't something know that why we've so distinctly concocted. I assumed that it was that the name Danny even sticks out in my head is like, that was the name of the uncle, but I don't know where that came from. I remember Mandela Morgan, effect. Morgan talked about having a brother, but I don't remember him saying the brother's name. Mm, yeah. Right. So all Near we know, end, all we too. know is Aunt Evie. There's an aunt. Aunt Evie. And he mentions his grandparents, but you don't know or, if it's but it could have been parents or Lori's parents. Something or other. Yeah. You don't know. Anyway. Can I mention these other things on the list that Aiden put together? Because they're fun, Dave. Sure, let's play with it. They're fun. I'll say, oh, Aiden, come on. Terrible. No, so <laughs> they're good. Never. They're really good. I like Aiden's it. Aiden's really I really, sharp. really like it. Okay, so the map one we already went through. This isn't Rick's first rodeo with an axe, although he's seen using it throughout the main series. He uses one to cut off Jesse's hand in 609, and later in 701, Negan almost has him cut off Mm-hmm. Carl's. Carl's. Carl's arm. I have yeah. that in my notes because the yep, way he paused as he was getting it's ready to cut off his own arm, it made me think that is exactly yeah. how he did. He even had the same yep. look on his face. Yeah. Yep. Esteban jokingly asks about seeing Rick's stump, something that echoes Milton asking, Can I touch it? <laughs> asking Herschel to see his stump during 313. You got to buy me dinner first. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and he said, shout out to my friend, Jared Fishwick for catching that one. So that wasn't even Aiden. That was someone else that came up. With. I love how he gives credit. I know. Our, our fledgling <laughs> birdie bird. He's turned into an eagle. And he's soaring. Lieutenant Colonel Okafor <laughs> hands Rick and Thorne a copy of The Art of Peace. The Art of Peace. Did anybody the, the... manage to get the other two books? Mm-mm. oh no i didn't I go back and look yet. it's very not it's very difficult yeah, I couldn't it's very, it's very dark too yeah. it's really dark, very dark. i was trying to see rick's hand when they were playing poker but i it was too it was shadowed i couldn't see it oh, i couldn't the, see his cards what he used to be well he went all in and yeah, that alone made her fold <laughs> oh you mean could have been, you he could have been to, bluffing he could have been bluffing well yeah he could have but she didn't want to take the risk yeah. mm, very illusory foreshadowing Ooh. yeah or like, you know, just narrative elements. You mentioned Okafor being part of Operation Cobalt. Because right, that was the right, name of that the operation. LA That's yeah. the LA bombing. When Michonne re- reunited with Rick, it's similar to how she found Andrea in 213. With both Rick and Andrea crawling away as Michonne cuts down whatever is in her path. Which it is that backwards movement. Yeah. So like trying to yeah, kick yeah. yourself away on the ground. Very clever. Yes. Love it. Rick finally learns how to fly a helicopter after following them <laughs> since the very first season. After all, Morales did Sorry. call him Helicopter Boy. He did. Loved Shut that up. one. I loved oh, that yeah. one. Great work, Aiden. Aiden. Honestly, this list is awesome. Rick attempts to use a grenade to escape just like he escaped the CDC in 106. Special shout hmm. out to T Walking D World on Twitter for that one. Never. <laughs> now I'm editing this out. <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. Only because he says cock and bio and that was the pussy. I don't, we don't know what it we was. We don't need to. Anyway. We can, anyway, next. <laughs> talk about the this. events mentioned in Omaha are depicted in the series premiere of World Beyond, likely meaning this falls to a similar spot in the timeline. The telecast is also something we've seen before from another lieutenant colonel, Elizabeth Kublik. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then he said, I'm sure there's plenty more. Did you catch anything? And then. What a content creator that fella is. Yeah, people did not <laughs> did respond you see with anything? anything Tell new. us more in the comments. They just said, great <laughs> list, dude. That's all he said. He should have said like and subscribe, even though it was a blog. Yeah, There's Rick's hand. Right. Oh, the fist. Oh, oh. oh yeah. The, the socialist fist. It's very political. Blur that out. That's exactly what his hand looks like. <laughs> it is. It is, actually. 
<laughs> Sharon D was holding a photo of Except the, then there's a giant knife up the middle fist. of it. So what does that matter? What right. does that mean? Exactly. That's like a big middle finger, really. But on the outside, inside, inside. I outside. have to say, <laughs> it was so reminiscent. Everything about that was so reminiscent of Merle. Okay. And it actually so like makes sense. the cutting off the of the hand, you have to do it yourself because it's the only way you're going to be able to get away. Same thing for Merle. He had to cut off his hand. Otherwise, he would have been fine, but he had heat stroke and then he runs and cauterizes the wound which is exactly what rick then had to do because it's obviously what you have to do even though he did kind of tourniquet his arm with the belt right he still needed he still needed to cauterize to prevent infection oh yeah yeah would have been the main reason at that point by sticking it in smoldering into a guts. walker. Yes. <laughs> it would have been hot enough. It would have been fine. <laughs> well, we won't anyway. talk about that. And then, and then he gets the hand and it's got an attachment with a knife, which also reminded me of Merle. So I just thought there mm-hmm. was like a lot there to that was reminiscent of that. And that's from way back. So that was just kind of cool. I just want to say that this look fits in very well with the posters that were in Kublik's apartment in mm. the world beyond the all, propaganda all of the posters, old propaganda yeah. posters that's yeah. what we got yeah. i also like the attention to detail when they're sitting on the boardwalk they have the light post there and they have a crm little flag banner banner flag hanging thing, yeah. just like when you go to any town there must just be such cool little set pieces from this that i'm sure people have now Oh, the people from the cast and yeah, stuff have? yeah yeah wow. I mean, just like little well, pieces I mean, got season know, two, background pieces gonna- She said, then I will not fall for that trickery. (laughs) She's been doing this long enough. About handing her sword back or getting her sword back. Yeah. You know, Gimple coached them all before they went out there, too. He had to because Andy just flies off the handle. (laughs) Andy, please don't spoil anything for this. That's why I don't want to ever see you again, Andy. It's fine. (laughs) In person. You know what I thought when we were watching that yesterday was that if ever we get enamel pins made, for the podcast for us we should have one turned into a bolo a bolo tie because he has because of gimple's cockroach for, for gimple we could just send it on over to gimple Aww. i just thought that was cute we got to make a quality one too Animal. i thought i <laughs> oh, thought yeah. an enamel pin if you swapped it out for the bracket on the back could be very cool i think it should be the fist because that would stand for rick's chopped off hand and lydia's chopped off hand and who else merle freaking everybody it also stands for some Aaron. other things in the world that i don't know that he would want that on his oh, neck like uh yeah like certain sexual yeah things? i just what? you know it might open you up to a community that he's not ready for yeah. <laughs> you know what we'll just, just leave that in the atmosphere that's fine <laughs> just saying some of them some of them have suction cups at the anyway anyway so, moving on anyway okafor the etymology of the word of the name okafor Ooh, interesting ah that's always fun so lieutenant colonel okafor it means a boy born on the afor day this is from the igbo people from nigeria they're largely christians their calendar is a very interesting one they have 13 months in their calendar, there are seven weeks in a month and there are four days in every week. They often name children after the day of the week in which they were born. So Okafor means a boy that was born in the Afor day, which is usually the first day of the month, but it's the third day of the week. Another interesting fact about their calendar is that though it is four days in every week, there is an extra day that they tack on at the end of the year for that week. So that is just, so confusing. Just to get the math right. 
And their four days of the week are the four different market days, essentially. It's very fascinating. Now, you know, Mikey always said that we're so extra and we come up with meanings that they didn't even intend. So here you go. I looked up other new characters' names just to see. Oh, wait. Just One see. more thing. You mentioned Aikido earlier, right? They're learning about the art of peace. What yes. are they doing when they're training? They're training in Aikido. They're doing the flips and all those things in, in training, Thorn and, and Rick. Mm -hmm. And it could be pre-war and post-war Aikido, too, because pre-war is deadly. Post-war is defense. So we've got two other characters real quick that I looked up. Pearl Thorn is Thorn's first name, Pearl. Pearl, which means precious, whereas Thorn is literally the root thorn. is sweet. It's Swedish and it's torn and it's a thorn bush. You took us on a journey with just that word. <laughs> it's like sweet, sweet, precious angel, baby. So you're saying sweet bush? No, that wasn't what I was no. saying at all. I think she's precious. It's kind of like um, Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> yeah. Like first they're I, I sour, then they're sweet. Well, like a rose too, right? I mean, you get the sweet well, smelling. Well, thorn bush or rose bush. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Esteban cool. is Esteban Garcia. Okay. And Esteban is... Actually, a variation of Stephen, and it's derived from the Greek name Stephanos, meaning crown or garland. For kings. Yes. Well, he is the what manager of he's water the and senior power. Manager. Manager. King of, water and power. He's the king of the water. <laughs> and, um, and Garcia is a surname. The name actually originates from a Germanic name, Gerard, weirdly, meaning brave spear or hard spear. Yeah, that's what so. she said. <laughs> so we have the fist thing. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder, thing. No anyway, wonder his just, girlfriend is over there. <laughs> it's almost like um like the king's spear, I guess would be right. like a, right. a proper translation of that. You just keep Giggity. digging that hole with the hard spear. <laughs> no, I'm not. You guys are dirty. Yes, Your yes, minds you are, are in the gutter. Yes, I'm are. just saying the <laughs> words. By the way, she we should note that Bridget just came back from Bible study, too. So I did. <laughs> just want to drop a pin in that to enhance the funny. Well, we got to we got to corrupt the incorruptible. <laughs> Baphomet. No. <laughs> Sorry. Dr. Baphomet. Oh, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. Uh, what was his name, so though? much funny. Babylon. Babylon. She did it again. No, she didn't say Bannerman. So we were we, it's ba progress. Braver, Inches. What was it? Braverman? Bannerman? What was it? Bavilar. We just said Bavilar. I know. I forgot that quick. That's Bezoar. We're saying so many B names. No, I'm not. Who knows what a Bezoar is? A Bezoar? You mean? Is that how you say it? I know what a Bezoar is. Is that a Pokemon? No, no, it's a, a it, it's a, a lump that forms in your stomach after undigested food. It's a Pokemon. It's a magic. It has to be extracted by surgery. Someone on the Pokemon. No, it's definitely Harry not Potter. a magic stone. Read Harry Potter. It's a magic no. stone <laughs> taken out. Of These ones are real. Yeah, it's gross. Ugh. But not a kidney stone. No, I mean sort of, like but not. It's in your tummy. Stone. It's in your tummy tum tum. Like a, stu a stone a in your stone. stomach. Yeah, stone. 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 It's a stummy stone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh oh. We're you know what happened? This we're dumber after dumber dark. Dumber after guys. dark. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. It's so fair to guess that that's a Pokemon. It sounds like it a Pokemon, does. doesn't it? Pokemon! Okay. 
Bezor. <laughs> and, and it's you. And it's this big. It's like meatball from, from fucking Aqua Teen Hunger Meatwad. Force. Meatwad. I think, I've, like I think I've seen that Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's, it's the like evolved a, it's form like purple, of kidney stones. And it's like a purple yeah. rock with and arms. Like, Bezor. Bezor. <laughs> Bezor. Bezor. Yeah. Because they all kidney say their stone, name. Kidney stone. <laughs> Stummy stone. <laughs> That's its you know, attack. It's, it's, it's called Stummy witch. Stone. Yeah. It's the brood you witch. You Stummy Stone. <laughs> Bezor, you Stummy Stone now. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Throw my devolved form oh at somebody. No. We just lost every follower we ever had. <laughs> well, that's, that's staying in for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, there is one more thing. Ah, at least. Uh, <laughs> Knowing gosh. me. I like that Beale backtracked and told Rick the story of Philadelphia, the CRR, but et cetera. Okay. He says the CRM was part of the Pennsylvania National Guard, which wasn't too far off of my theory of the civil defense when we were talking about the scene in which Huck was being interrogated by Felix when they found her and brought her into the campus colony. All the signs on the wall were from the civil defense. The circle with the triangle in, on the inside, that symbol. Mm -hmm. And so he, him talking about the Pennsylvania National Guard squaring off against the military is not only reminiscent of my theory about the civil defense rising up and becoming the CRM, etc., which was formed, by the way, in the, during the Cold War, which we do see a reference of in this episode. And it was formed specifically during the Cold War to prevent chemical attacks, nuclear attacks, etc. Put that aside. The National Guard facing off against the military is something that Althea also said. Mm -hmm. It was her whole was her reason for, for getting the tape because she, she has it. the truth. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> <laughs> for those of, of you who don't watch Fear, it's such a cool little nugget. And now that we hear that Okafor's team was responsible for Project Cobalt, that he, he personally bombed LA and he personally bombed Atlanta. It and seems ridiculous that he was flying across the United States to be the only person bombing, but it I does, know. doesn't it? I digress. It's fine. But you know, but in a Blackhawk, those things go really, really fast. Too. It seems like so, you know. probably have other people who can also bomb things. Yeah. And it also depends on his rank, too. Because saying that you bombed it could be that you're in a position um, where you coordinate those attacks, let's say. I feel like doing something like that, you wouldn't want too many people involved either, though. Right. True. Like the fewer people that know about this, the better. Maybe. Yeah. What did he say? What branch of the military he was in, by the way? Was it Army? No, it was Air Force, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, Beal said yeah. that Okafor was part of the Air Force. Yeah, Air Force is also pretty elite, too. So, I mean, That's you'd true. have to have to be in a certain level to get to the, where he's at. So, I don't, yeah, it, and it would be kind of what he's doing now. It'd be like a subsection of the subsection that would have to know about that plan in order to carry it out, too. Interesting. Only 10% of the 100% of the CRM know about his plan. So it's a, kind of the same scenario. One of the other shots that was in the opening sequence was the breakdown of the segments of the military. You had command and then there and there was like one square. In the title and sequence, then, right, right? And then you had like, I forget what the second one was, and it had several. I gotcha. Squares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> infantry, infantry was the last one and it had a bunch. So I'll, I'll try to form this more in a question, but... I'll, t I'll explain what the, and I'll show it obviously in the edit. The image in the title sequence that you're referring to is the two types of CRM soldier or units, let's say, mm -hmm. or it could be what Okafor is referring to. It's the left is the elite top secret. I think it was the unit breakdown of the way the army was built because you had command, the CRM. 
and then you had a smaller group and then you had a bigger group and then you had infantry was the biggest group. Well, they had titles. So let me tell you what it is. The left column, the left side of the paper is top secret. This is T secret, top secret, elite clearance. And the right is infantry clearance. The left one, that command structure is the command is only one dot. And they push in on it later on in the title sequence just to push into the command. It's like one person. The remainder is front lines. And that's 30 people, let's say. On the right side is a whole other column. That's the, that's the infantry clearance column. So you have 70 supervisors. That's 70 boxes. So those could be lieutenant colonels, let's say. And then underneath is all the infantry, which is at least 210 plus. It goes on, but we don't see what the end of that is. But it could mean that this is the command on the left elite part. That could be Beal, let's say he's at the top, Major General. Could also be Okafor and his elite people and how many people are involved, that 10%. Right? And if you even do the math, does that add up? 31? Could. Yeah. 31 of 210. It could, and that paper could go on to have 310. So 31, 310, 10% of the military only know about his ideas. Wait, are you saying there's only 310 people in the military? Well, th- those are units too. Right. So Each, that okay. could okay. represent that, the whole. Yeah, that's a unit. Yeah. It's probably okay. 100 people or something like that. Yeah. One last question. Do you think there's any significance to the combination number that Esteban told Rick? What was it again? I was thinking about Four, that too. Three, 4399. I was going to, that was going to be part of my research that I failed to do today, but I was going to look more (laughs) into those numbers. Well, there's more numbers in the title sequence. You see like a, what I thought was samples on a shelf and they have like distinct lettering that you really can't read. But on the shelf, there's two sets of numbers. I should bring it up and I'll throw the picture up on the screen for the people on on the audio podcast that might, might get lost on you. But one of the images in the title sequence is, I think it's probably when they show Scott Gimple, by the way, too. So to make that even more frustrating, oh, try to guess what this is. So the samples on the shelf, the top of the shelf has these, the following numbers. It's 7730-42-069. On the bottom part of the shelf where the samples are or behind or whatever, it says lot pod dash one dash 36 X. Don't know what it means. There's no reason that I would think that we would be ever be able to find it, but it's worth knowing. It looked like samples. It could be DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) All you could see was the spine of it. So you didn't really know what it was. I say that only because of our world, world beyond experience. There's project VOTUS, which happened Mm -hmm. early on. If you remember right, Eh, which is still in the air. (laughs) I hate this show. But that's we love doing this. Five minutes ago, you were like, "I love this show." I hate this show. I love this (laughs) show. It's like I hate to love it. Exactly. It doesn't spell out anything. That's what I was trying to find out. But the nine nine because it's nine nine, it can't spell anything out. Your choices are W X Y Z. Yeah. Well, you're trying to do like a gematria thing or like a alpha uh, uh, alpha decoder. That's D. What uh, is it for the alphabet? Yeah, D, yeah D, I was thinking like dates for some reason, BC, like 1943 and 1999. Like if anything significant had happened in April third, third, ninety nine, ninety Project Votus. It's all. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> anyway, that's when Project Votus occurred, right? Remember? No, <laughs> it's fine. It was a Saturday. Okay. Wait, if you type it into a calculator and then flip it upside down, it spells no. it's it spells boobs. <laughs> <laughs> spells boobs. <laughs> It spells, actually, it spells... Bezo. Yeah, it spells Bezor. 4399 spells Jez. <laughs> right back to the fist again. 
<laughs> um, God. For three ninety nine, the number one song was "Do You Believe That I'm Still Alive?" <laughs> it was. It was. Believe yes. Life After Love with Cher, not Mo Collins's version during our interview. Which you yes. know, you have to kind of remind the audience why that's funny. Cause we interviewed Mo and she's hilarious. saying that it was hilarious. Thank you. She's saying it to us. (laughs) And you laughed for like 15 minutes, which I had to cut down to five. (laughs) You suck. (laughs) Hey, I left a third of it in. (laughs) It's not enough. It diminishes. Well, thanks to me, the interview is an hour long instead of an hour and 30 minutes. Because 30 minutes minutes of us laughing is worth it. Listen, you'd get more than Blue Cat 4399. (laughs) Wow, what if that was his thing, by the way? Blue Cat 4399. (laughs) It's Scott Gimple. (laughs) No! You laugh too loud. Scott Gimple's calling us out. What a jerk. Do you guys have any thoughts about why Okafor brings up Millet? Because it's like sorghum. I was thinking the same thing. Okay. <laughs> it's 4399 was the friends we made along the way. This whole time. It's the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Dave what? did not get it. I'm not it. getting it. Dave did not get it. I did not get it. So anyway. Anyway, exactly. Thank you. Millet, when I worked at a pet store, is what we would feed the birds. It came on like a string and we'd stick it in the bird cage and that's what they would. It was like a treat. It was it's like chicken feed. Bird snack. Now, I did look into that, and the only thing that I could figure out with millet is that it has a high amount of B vitamins and does contribute to longevity because of the tannins, tannins, I think is what they said. So in, essentially, if you can get it just right, okay, you'll have people that have energy and could live longer, etc. This is the idea of like a future. It's mostly found in cereal foods too. It has some negative side effects that I read. I just can't remember exactly what they were. Something about things staying in your system. It's not a, a widely used food for humans grain right exactly whatever it is that is inside millet even if you cook it off it's still there so i forget what it is exactly i didn't want to look Mm -hmm. into it too i just wanted to see if you thought there was anything to that so you're saying the crm is our birds millet is just (laughs) one letter off from mullet which means eugene is going to show up (laughs) maybe that's where professor dr professor t T T-S- Ellis? Wait, T T T S Ellis. That's why I said T L Ellis. Ellis. T Brooks Ellis. T Brooks Ellis. I got there. Listen, like like Frodo is it was a long and windy journey. So cute. Dave, not all those who wandered. <laughs> you know, but uh, this is a total side note, by the way, when we were in Saranac last week, we saw a shop that was titled There and Back Again. Oh, that's mm-hmm. cute. Isn't that cute? That was the name that Bilbo gave his book that he was writing book, after right. The Hobbit. I thought that was just kind of cute. And it's just a total side note since we're bringing it up so much in this episode. See, I think Okafor is Gandalf and he's going to come back as... <laughs> Okafor. He can't come back as Okafor the White. Please back yeah, up. I was going to say, he's coming back <laughs> okay. as the White. <laughs> no, now that he's <laughs> I'm Okafor the... Okay, let's rewrite the this beige. part. <laughs> Just, I'm right. actually... Okafor the Beige. The Gray. Let's, the Gray. Let's call that Rock Bottom. <laughs> actually, he's Okafor the Splat. Oh. So that would make General Beale the, the Balrog. <laughs> no, he'd be Saruman, right? I don't know, whatever. The Maybe. eye, the all-seeing eye. No, that's Sauron. But real talk, yeah. what was your impression of Okafor? Do you think he was a bad guy 
or no, was he I mostly a, a noble good guy? I even guy? wrote in my notes, Okafor equals good. Yeah, okay. It's right there in his name. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay for... M.A. Aquari. Okay for 399. <laughs> I'll look at... <laughs> what does it mean? That's it. We're done. Anyway. We're done. Yeah, that's it. We're done. So sh- shall, shall I do it for the first time <laughs> in a long time? If you like what you heard, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash squawkingdead. Five stars and eggplants. All we need to know that you love us, but tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. But remember to tell us. After every episode, it really 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 helps and if you really like what we're we're doing and you want to join the fun all you need to do is head over to either ko-fi.com slash squawking dead or patreon.com slash squawking dead you don't have to buy us a coffee on ko-fi and you don't have to join a membership tier on either ko-fi or patreon we just ask you to follow so you can get our recording schedules following is free joining our recording sessions is also free but you're not going to know our schedules unless you follow either Kofi or Patreon. But if you're interested in supporting us, you can tip us for 30 days of supporter back content like the unedited episode recordings and the pre-squawk insights, which is my copious amount of notes. Or you can join a membership tier for as little as a dollar a month and get Discord access. Actually, I misspoke because today I just made it possible for those of you who tip us to join our Discord. You get the most basic of channels, but you get that much closer to us. You'll have permanent Discord access whenever you tip us as well. Obviously, if you're in the Walkers, Whispers, or Survivors tiers, you'll have access to further channels. Like Whispers will get channels that relate to our Jackbox games, so you'll know when we're recording so you can join us on stream. And Survivors, of course, the top tier, which I just opened a few more slots for because we lost a few along the way, can join us on stream. While we break down these episodes, you can join us with your own insights so consider that. I've been your host, David Cameo, and I was joined by Cosmom09, Rachel Burt, Sharon D, aka Blazy Gardener, and Bridget, ko-fi.com slash punkybrewster, that's P-U-N-K-Y-B-R-U-I-S-E-T-E-R. And by the way, I've missed all of you in the audience. I love all of you hosts, and I can't wait to do this again. I love seeing you every night. Every <laughs> Let's night. Let's do some more. I want to be the very best. Like no one the best ever, there was. ever was. <laughs> I should catch them as my real test. To train them is, is my cause. That is not what I thought you were going to say. Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> Good night, guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Jump <Dump> downloads. <laughs> Thank you again for listening to another episode of Squawking Dead, which makes this the third episode we've released in a week. And as we always do at the end of every episode, we like to thank both our Survivors and Whisperers tier members, without whom none of this would be possible. Starting with the Survivors tiers, we've got at RealRyanGM on X and at ElisaJones71 on Instagram or at JonesAJ6 on X. Moving on to the Whisperers tier, we've got at Judith.Morton on Instagram, Aiden Atkin, who you can reach at ko-fi.com slash Aiden Atkin, at Sandy.D.Morrison, at Lois.Morton.54, and at at kim.rally1 on Facebook, at I found them Rick G on X, and Takira, you can reach at ko-fi.com slash Connie Dixon for life. That's Connie Dixon, the number four L-Y-F-E. We've got still a lot of content coming your way in this banger of a series that we're covering. I cannot wait to show you what we have planned in store for you, but until then, we are squawking dead. <laughs> <laughs>